0: Awesome, cute everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 23 of busts of Knowledge. Afternoon, Tanya, how are you this afternoon?
1: Yeah, I'm going good. Thanks. How are
0: you? Good, thank you. Yeah, another day. No, no dollars because I'm still on, still, on, <laughs> still on leave, which is great. Um Tanya, what's what have you been doing? What have you done over the last few days or the last few times since we've spoken our last podcast? What have you done to fill up your bus of knowledge?
1: Yeah, I think what I've learned coming into this podcast is that time flies, you know, no matter what you're doing. And, you know, I was talking to you before we started recording that, you know, when I first moved to Blenheim this time around, I thought, oh, yeah, I know what Blenheim has to offer, so I can have a couple of weeks to settle in and then start doing things. But before I know it, you know, I've only had a couple of weeks left to try and fit everything in. So it just goes to show that, you know, there's the point where you should actually plan some stuff, even if you're not sure that you'll do it right away at least then you have some a to-do list to do before you finish doing something. And I think the same can be said when you go into anything, you know, if you're going on a holiday or you're doing something, you know, you're often like, oh, I'll just settle in, but before you know it, the time's over and you wish you'd done more.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right, time does play, time does play. And that's, that links really well to my um, my learning my learning is pay your bills on time because that's pretty important <laughs> because you know what happens is you get your bill and you're like, oh, I'll pay it tomorrow or whenever and then um, time flies and you don't pay the bill and then your internet gets dis- dis- gets disconnected and you're like, oh, what do I do? Which what happened to me today? So I was like, what happened? Why have I got no internet? because I haven't paid my bills. So um, yeah, pay your bills on time because um, time flies. Um, yeah, so nothing nothing crazy um, about, nothing wise there, just pay your bills. Mm-hmm. Um once again to our listeners, thank you for, for tuning in, and as always, we have another fantastic guest, um, and this afternoon, we, have, we are not going to be disappointed again, because we have a fantastic guest, and her name is Christina. Christina, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: No worries, thank you for joining us. Christina, um, to start off our podcast, you want to tell listeners a bit about yourself? Where, who are you, where are you from, and then we'll get into it.
2: Um so I'm Christina. Um I'm from Dunedin and I grew up there, but I'm currently living in Stuart Island. I've been here all summer um working. and yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. So for those of you that are listening to us from overseas, um, Stuart Island is an island that we that people we'll forget about. You hear about the North Island and the South Island, you might hear the Chatham Islands, and then there's this other place called Stewart Island, which is um basically a little rock in the middle of the at the bottom of of New Zealand and we'll talk about how Kristen ended up there um, over summer. So, Christina, um, the reason why we have you on here today is because you've taken a different pathway. You um you finished up school in Dunedin, is that correct? Yeah. And and you decided yeah. you, you decided to gap here. So talk, let's talk about let's talk about year 13 for you. So if you can run back, so you're in year 13, and um what is that like for you? What is year 13 like your final year of school?
2: Um, well, I had my year 13 when it was the first lockdown so um, I was pretty lucky in the sense that we did a lot of work in the first section of the year so by the time I was in lockdown I was kind of set for a few of my subjects my exams so I spent a lot of the lockdown kind of reflecting on a lot of things and being able to take the time away from school itself. Um, made me kind of realize that the school environment that I was in was not a good one Um, so there was all that and then going back to school was super hard Um, I had a lot of friends who only lasted about three five days and then they were like we completely burnt out we can't do this anymore so they would be studying from home and I was kind of in a similar space but um my mental health deteriorated even more than it already was bad um and then I ended up being on medical leave for all of the last term because I just couldn't handle being at school so I was studying from home um yeah so it was rough to say the least um I think year 13 was hard for a lot of people but um yeah that's kind of my year 13.
0: Thank, thank you for sharing that, because that's pretty important for people to realize that you know it's not always hunky-dory and rollercoaster, you know, there are struggles. You mentioned there that um, you realized that the school environment wasn't the right place for you. What, what does that mean? What, is, what does that look like? What does that
2: look like? Um, well, for me during life in school, um, I loved learning and I loved being at school and being in the classroom environments where I was always learning stuff and being around people who are also interested in learning. Um, and then it kind of turned into a thing of yes I still love school and I still love learning but um, the people around me weren't um, the best anymore so having people being constantly put in a box of you're smart but you're not that smart so we can use you to steal our notes and um, answer our questions in class and um, that sort of thing as well as just like constant comments and um, And friendships were always super hard. Like they were always demanding a lot from me um, and never giving much back. So for me, being able to remove myself from that situation and be like, look, these people are my friends because we see each other at school every day. They're not my friends because we genuinely have a friendship going on kind of thing. Yeah.
0: That's such a point of point there because a lot of people just um, become friends with people because they see them every day. But if you think about it, sometimes they're not the kind of people that you would really attract into your lives. Tana, did you ever have that in your life? Did you ever feel that?
1: At certain points I did. um, And especially, I think, academically, that was the case. Um, But I was lucky enough that, you know, I could fit into the sports scene. And so I could have different groups of friends, which kind of allowed me to branch out. If I did feel like a certain group was just using me or weren't really connected in the way that I thought they were. So it was good for me that I did have other friends outside of the academic or outside of the sport that allowed me to just take a break from that certain scene.
0: And that's true. You know, I mean, you, you have to have those outlets. And but but again, you're going to have to go back into the other outlet there and see those people that are not your that are not your friends in inverted commas. Um, so that would have been that would have been tough for you. And what what made you decide that school wasn't for you in that year, so you have you had you had the lockdown you were doing stuff online great fantastic and then you go back to school what is the breaking point for you i guess
2: um kind of came to a realization i mean for me personally i was pretty much in denial for most of the year i was like you know what this is just how life is kind of thing and then nearing the end of term three I realized hey it's not actually normal for you to hide in a room during breaks and lunches and trying to avoid your friends and um, I was completely throwing myself into my study trying to kind of avoid the people in my year but even then my grades were still slipping and um, so things like that and it came to the realization that this isn't healthy and this isn't right So I talked to my parents and I talked to my dean at school and they were like, okay, you can not go to school anymore on the one condition that you do go to counselling, which I think was fair enough and a really great decision to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's
0: awesome. So you reached out and had had this great advice for you and tell us what that was like for you because, um, you know, there's a big stigma around counselling and going to counselling. How was that for you as a pre-counseling and then post-counseling, I guess, if, if you don't mind sharing.
2: Um, well, I do understand how you've said that there is a bit of a stigma and I would prefer to use the past tense with that a lot because okay, yeah. yes, I've noticed in the past that there has been quite a stigma, stigma for it, but moving forward, like the few friends that I did mention too that I was going to counseling they'd also been to counseling um and that's very open and it's very kind of a normal thing to do it's like okay you know we're super proud that you're getting the help that you need um kind of thing and that you're doing what you need to do to be a better person rather than kind of just hiding away and not talking about it so yeah I feel like the perspective on that has really changed and yeah no it was really good for me. to be able to have that outlet um, just kind of that someone separate who wasn't in my life um, to be able to talk to about everything was really good yeah
0: awesome fantastic and that, that's honestly helped you quite a bit which is awesome
2: yeah
0: and so here you are you're now working schooling from home and how is that for you you know so you've now made this active choice with your family in school to know to you're schooling from home did you feel disconnected though because you know um, year 13 is a big year for so many reasons. Did you feel like you were missing out? Was there a bit of FOMO going on there or were you all good at that?
2: Um, at that point, it was I just needed to prioritise my own mental health. So I was kind of doing schoolwork at home, but in reality, I wasn't as much. I had this um, thing where what I'd do every day is I'd do one thing that was productive even if that be small, say reply to one email or it be finish an assignment, do one small thing that was productive and sometimes it wasn't even school related, it was okay today I'm going to clean my room Um, and then do one thing that was good for my mental health, if that be like okay today I'm going to eat a good healthy meal or go for a walk, um, something like that. So for me it was just doing two small things, one productive and one for my mental health, Um, every day really really helped Um, in terms of feeling kind of excluded I guess or missing out um, not really at that point I was very disconnected from everyone in my year group Um, I'd already made the decision um, earlier in the year to not take any leadership roles because I knew that I wouldn't be able to handle that Um, So in that kind of sense, there wasn't much of that at all. I had a few friends who, I only told a few of my friends that I wasn't gonna be coming back to school anymore. Um, And from that on, it was pretty much, yeah, just, I didn't really talk to anyone, um, which was great for me, to be honest. I kept the good friends that I had and I kept in touch with them. But other than that, it was good to not be able to have any of those people around anymore, yeah.
0: That's, 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 that's very, very true. And I, and I love how you broke your day into those two manageable things that, you know, those, you didn't go and you yeah. do 50 things or 20 things you are know, cool. Just one thing for my mental health and one thing productive. And I think that's, I think we can all, we can all take that away and go actually, you know, when things are overwhelming, if we just do one thing for our mental health and one thing for whatever productivity is, that's, that's a pretty awesome thing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm going to take that away and Tony. Yeah. So, you'll take that away, <laughs> so. so um, so obviously, not obviously so you you had made the decision you are now doing what you need to do to make get yourself better now comes the end of term term four you're right you, you do your exams whatever way you do the best that you can you have a choice now of another choice i guess technically you've finished up school now you have the choice yeah. of going to a tertiary provider but you decided not to do that when, when did you make the decision not to go to a tertiary provider
2: um so i made the decision in year 12 actually. Oh, wow. yeah. um, So I was like, I need, I wanted to go and travel. Um, So I spent half of year 12 and most of year 13 earning money and building contacts. So I had this whole plan out. Um, I was gonna go to Costa Rica and do some work with some wildlife conservation out there and then I was gonna to go to Chile where they've got this island and do some research with whales and dolphins and um, then kind of see kind of where it went from there. And I'd earned all the money and I had it all sorted. And then COVID happened, um, which quite drastically changed the plan. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Oh so, oh, so Chris, so now you go. So why, why year 12? What happened in year 12 that decided, the major decided that you didn't wanna to go to university or to tertiary? What is the the, the point, I guess?
2: Well, I figured if not now, when kind of thing, you know. If it's not before uni, then it will be either during uni or after uni, but it's like I wanted to get a degree at least, you know, to have that as a fallback if anything did happen. So I wouldn't want to do it during my uni degree. And then after uni degree, I was like, well, chances are life will happen. I'll find a job, do something else that I really like, you know, so I was like, might as well just do it now kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's, that's a good as any reason out there, isn't it? I mean, yeah,
2: awesome. Yeah.
0: So you, so you had all this money saved up. You had this, you like South America. Here I come, and then COVID goes. Nah, nah, nah. You're not going anywhere. What happens then for you?
2: Um. So then I changed the plan, and I was going to travel around New Zealand. Um. And I had a bunch of places lined up where I was going to be doing mostly conservation work, work with DOC, um, volunteering at wildlife hospitals, that sort of thing, and be able to travel as well so that happened and then that also kind of fell apart but um
0: (laughs) yeah so um yeah falling apart falling apart okay cool but that doesn't doesn't (laughs) stop you That doesn't stop you before we talk about that pathway there I want to touch on something else that you that has come through pretty strongly so far is the conservation stuff tell us tell us about that where does that come
2: from for you um well my dad he um has always been a massive fan of animals so I kind of grew up with him fostering that and we always would watch David Attenborough because who doesn't um and then I think it was year 12 I started really kind of throwing myself into the conservation stuff in Dunedin so I was doing work with the Halo project I did a little bit of work with um, the Orokinoo Eco Sanctuary and then I was doing a ton of work on Quarantine Island as well um, which I'm now a community member of, and an integral part of the community, which I love so much, and I've missed it so much, being away these like three months, um, but yeah, so it kind of built into that, and it's just something that I really enjoyed, kind of, um, it was amazing for my mental health, just being outside, being with nature, um, and you'd always meet amazing people, and hear so many interesting stories, even if you only met them once, and you'd never see them again, but you'd hear their life story, and it would just be so amazing,
0: well uh, that's pretty awesome so i put like how you share your life story at the moment which is which is fantastic so um i mean yeah i mean nature is pretty amazing you know stuff you can get out there just just for your mental health and well-being i think, think we're very lucky to live in new zealand where you can actually just do that and quite easily yeah so you know all your plans disappear what happens then for you so you what happens then
2: um so I had that plan of like traveling around New Zealand and um, I heard about coming to Stewart Island because I met someone um, on Quarantine Island who had been in Stewart Island in the backpackers that I am now during lockdown. Um, And he said that he was there, he was volunteering at the community trust, um, doing rat trapping and that they had this really good deal where you come and they pay for the ferry from Bluff and they give you free accommodation while you're here um and you do rat trapping um so i was like i'm gonna do that so i that's where i was gonna start and i was gonna do about a month in each place so i came down and um the backpackers were low on staff so they asked if i wanted a job and i said yes because if i got the job then i got a bedroom instead of a tent um <laughs>
0: That's so, always a win, right? That's always a win. Um, yeah, before, definitely. Before you uh, carry on, do you want to explain to our listeners about the um, the climate in Stewart Island? What is it like there? Is it summery hot or what, what is it like down there?
2: Um, It's New Zealand weather. What can I say? Uh, it's very much like Dunedin where it's uh, rainy and cloudy one second and then hot and sunny the next. Um, but it is a lot warmer in general, I think, than kind of the south island well lower south island so um there's a few days here when it's in mid to high 20s and we're like sweating going for a swim in the absolutely freezing water because the current brings it up straight from antarctica yeah so the water wherever you go is absolutely freezing even though it's been hot all day um but yeah and it's quite the forest is like quite jungly as well um which is just amazing yeah Awesome. Yeah,
0: the reason why I want to put some context into that because um, living in a tent wouldn't be ideal in Stewart Island, you know, for 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 long maybe one, maybe one or two nights or three nights, but um not for a long long haul.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the worst part about being in the tent would be the Kiwis yelling at you at 3 a.m. every morning. <laughs>
0: Oh, crazy. So um, you, you got a job at the Backpackers and you got your yep. your bed provided for you. And how long were you there for before you uh, moved on to your next
2: venture? So I was there for a month. Um, and yeah, so I was here for about a month and I'd work in the mornings, making the beds, cleaning the toilets, cleaning the kitchen, all the glamorous work. Um, and then in the afternoons, I'd go out and do rat trapping and we'd find... Uh, maybe about 10 rats some of which freshly killed and kind of cute even though they're rats and they're pests but they were kind of cute and they were nice and other ones were very old and filled with maggots and it was really disgusting <laughs> so we'd oh. go and we would like reset the traps um so that would be basically my day yeah um
0: that sounds um sounds fun <laughs> sounds, sounds fun galore so let's, let's give us some context as well. Do you want to explain, because we have a lot of listeners that are not from New Zealand, do you want to explain why why we do rat trapping as well? Why, why is it important?
2: Um, so for for Shore Island in particular, we have a lot of Kiwi, um, which are ground nesting birds, and as well as little blue penguins, um, which are also ground nesting birds. And these rats, they come in and they basically eat the eggs. Um, so therefore these birds can't reproduce and, know their population decreases so we kill the rats which are yeah they piss so they eat not only do they eat the eggs of the birds but they also um eat the food of the birds so the birds can't eat and can die of starvation as well so yeah they're not great to have around
0: yeah so i mean they're they're pissed i mean they're pissed in a way Uh I shouldn't say. That, I shouldn't say that. They're a pest, but they're a pest population for the native for our native birds in New Zealand, which is what you, what you do. You're not just you're trapping rats just for fun, are you? No. <laughs> so you spent one month um, one month um, in Stuart Island, and then so you had that mapped out for you. Then what happens next?
2: Um, so I went back to Dunedin, and I was like, okay, let's figure out the next step. Um, I was hoping to do some work with Waiwanaka, Um, And that kind of fell through. So Waiwanaka is a charity organization from Wanaka and they do a bunch of work with the water systems in Wanaka and the lake. So um, they do a lot of riparian planting, pest control, um, working a lot with the farmers about um, how to keep the
0: tribunal
2: like streams clean um, and all that sort of stuff, which was really cool. so I was planning on doing that um, but that kind of fell through so I ended up doing work with Doc um, in Dunedin so I was chasing yellow-eyed penguins. <laughs>
0: oh, which are... was why were you we chasing them why were we
2: um, So it was malt season um, so during the malt season Doc there's one doc ranger, and then she leads a team of volunteers. Usually, there's about two of us. Um, we go out for the day and we try and find these molting penguins. Um, so, the point of them is that um, so every year, the yellow eyed penguins well, not not every year, but m- mostly every year, not all of them do it every year, but it's weird. Um, they change their feathers. So They get rid of all of their old feathers, and they bring in new ones. And during this period, they can't go swimming because their feathers aren't waterproof and they're changing their feathers. So they can't go swimming, therefore they can't eat. So um, as a dock ranger, they go out, we find them, um, we weigh them, make sure that they're a healthy weight and that they'll survive the molting period, which is, I think, about four weeks. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So if they're, if they're underweight, then we take them to Penguin Place um, and we feed them up and then release them back where we found them. Um, yeah. Oh,
0: and why why are getaway penguins so special?
2: Because um, I think they're endangered. Okay. They're really cute, but they also can pack a punch. Like, don't get anywhere near them because... Their beaks are really sharp and they can bite you and it hurts.
0: <laughs> oh, so I'm guessing you've been bitten a few times? Uh,
2: only once and oh. I still have the scar on my wrist. Um, so. Yeah, I had, it was amazing. Sadly, I couldn't do the whole season because I injured my ankle um, going out once. Um, but i got like, it was so amazing being able to be that close to these penguins that you aren't allowed to get that close to. Um, and they're like pretty big as well. They come up to like your knee height, oh, well, and um, yeah, they're really stunning. But it was it was hard work. It was six hours a day of um, being out in this bush, and they'd have these like little. They had these paths around the bush, and because like penguins are amazing animals, like I do not know how they do it, but they can basically climb up cliffs. Oh well, right. So they've got these like these paths to where they kind of nest and you'd, you follow their paths and you're looking for trails of feathers because wherever there's a lot of feathers, usually that's where they are. So we'd be like following these little paths and sometimes in the bush, the path would only be as big as they are. So we were like army crawling through oh, these wow. like tunnels that had a lot of bird shit and feathers in them. And there was also a lot of stinging nettles around. Um, So we'd be climbing around and the days that I went it was so hot like it was in over 20 degrees and because you don't want to get dirty or like scratched or anything you're like wearing overalls like workers overalls it was insane and then you'd like find these penguins and then you'd have to catch them which was a whole nother deal. (laughs) So the method was like once you kind of get near them you like push them on like the back of their shoulders and so they'd fall face down on the ground and then you grab them by the feet, pushing down like their shoulder blades in the ground. And um, then we'd kind of have to put them in a bag to weigh them. Um, but And they didn't smell nice either. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, it it was an experience and it was really amazing thing and I was like so excited when I was seeing them I'd go home and I'd be like oh my god I saw a penguin today and I got to touch it
0: yeah that's pretty epic Not <laughs> we can say that they've done that that they have basically domino dropped a penguin right <laughs> and what, yeah. uh, what, what an experience uh, what, what is one of the one of one of your highlights from that time there anything that just stood out for you any moments
2: um I don't know I think it was just it was just amazing like I don't know how to describe the feeling but being that you know you're doing all this hard work which is satisfying in itself um doing physical labor and tiring yourself out physically um but then and the weather was always lovely and you'd go to these amazingly stunning beaches so we well we were working in Boulder Beach which um if you guys don't know is the one the bay closest to town from Fe Bay um So we'd be up around there. And the beach was just amazing, though it was filled with seals. So to get to some of the places we had to go to, we had to, like, navigate through a maze of seals, which was slightly terrifying. Um, But, yeah, like, there was just amazing views. And we'd always, like, stop for lunch halfway through the day and you'd just be sitting there feeling gross because you were covered in bird shit and feathers and hot and sweaty but you'd be in this amazingly stunning place and you would have been so close to these amazing animals and it's just like an experience that I would want everyone to experience but it's so hard to be able to get in to be a volunteer um because so many people want to do it yeah um but yeah
0: oh well how happy and I'm happy that is and I'm sure they would have done wonders for your mental health at in this in, at the same time
2: Yeah yeah definitely like just I mean some people mental health is always something that people kind of tend to not talk about but it's just the simple things like getting up in the morning and like eating a meal can sometimes be so hard and it was quite hard for me at times so being able well kind of being forced having this commitment to have to go out and be on the other side of town at 9am in the morning knowing that you know, I actually have to eat a good meal because otherwise I'm not gonna have the energy to be able to do this um, sort of thing was was great. Um yeah, it was really good to have that kind of structure, I guess you could say.
0: And that's awesome and well done you for actually impressing and, and being aware of that. So we go from trapping rats to dropping penguins. What's next on you after you, you injured your injured ankle like, oh that it happens now.
2: Um, quite a change of pace, actually. What yeah. that's what happened. Um, by then it was March, um, and I ended up coaching three sports teams.
0: Oh wow! Um, <laughs> how how did you go from dropping pegs to coaching sports teams? How does it happen?
2: not quite sure how it happened i have been coaching for the last three or four years i did i I used to coach the junior a boys at logan park high school which is a school i attended and i really enjoyed it there was like this was the little moments um i got given this book at the end of the season which was um a phil jackson book who's a famous nba coach And one of the guys in my team wrote, thanks for being the Phil Jackson to my Michael Jordan. And it was like something like that. And I was reading it and I was like trying not to cry. So I was like, that's really sweet. Um, So it was like, it's little things like that. And I was like, you know what? I do like coaching and things around um, that I was planning on doing around New Zealand were kind of falling through. So I was like, you know what? Let's just stay in Dunedin. I can continue doing my volunteering um, with the Halo project a little bit and with Quarantine Island as well as coaching these teams. So I reached out to a bunch of schools. Um and I ended up coaching two junior like year nine basketball teams at OB's and then one netball team at OGs. Okay. So if I list this Otago Girls and Otago
0: Boys. So cool. So I'm guessing basketball is your sport.
2: Uh well it, was very hazy um so i liked basketball and netball i used to play both but um kind of playing got pulled out of the cards when i did my acl when i was 15 and had to get reconstructive surgery um so i kind of dove into the whole coaching side of things but yeah i really loved both sports but now i'm kind of focusing on the whole basketball side of stuff at the moment yeah awesome
0: so um here you are from Having first shit all over you to now coaching teams. How was that? I mean, that would have been pretty epic for you.
2: It was amazing. Um, the teams I had, everyone was so great, um, and it was busy and it was overwhelming and it was a lot of work. Um, I don't think people quite understand how much work coaching is, um, but yeah, it was. It was really stunning. It was a massive change of pace, but it was just as enjoyable and yeah awesome so
0: um do you want to just break down what how complex coaching is just for you in your for you if you if you're in, um, in a simple way
2: well, <laughs> um for the level that i was coaching at so i was coaching the net full netball it was the girls year 10 girls b team so they were quite a high level grade especially because they're from ogs and they have very good netball school um so with coaching it's I like to describe it as you're being their mum their friend their mentor at the same time so um you have to make sure that they have rides to the games and rides back home after the games you have to make sure that they have their uniform and water to drink and the right shoes and then you have to make sure that you know they're doing okay how's the team dynamics going um sometimes there's always well there's always drama especially with the girls team so um which I knew as well from being in a sports team myself like it's always like oh my boyfriend broke up with me or you know this girl we had a bitch fight um so it's like things like that and that can affect the team on court so you have to manage the dynamics and the chemistry on court so that even if two girls have had a massive fight you need to make sure that they do actually pass the ball to each other on the court because you need that to happen if you know the opportunity arises so things like that but also you know being able to guide them and teach them with skills um, and game plays as well so it's a massive role to take in um, as well as like if there are injuries on court you have to um organize the umpiring and the duty or like refing that happens as well which is um a team duty that they have to do um but yeah if anyone gets injured it falls on you to sort that out especially if you don't have a manager um so yeah it's a lot of work
0: <laughs> yeah i can imagine i mean um i'm glad i, I like the way you summarize what a coach does their their parents they uh they're a mentor and they're a friend. You know, that's basically what a, what a coach is. Tana, you've, you've, you've done some pretty high-level sports as well. Um, what is, what is the coach like for you? Do they, they fill those roles at some point?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think as time goes on, you find that better coaches are all those roles. You know, some people come into coaching and they feel like they just are there to mentor you and that's good. But, you know, as you say, sometimes you need that parent figure. Sometimes you need that friend who's just willing to listen to you when you are struggling with things off the field or off the court so it's about filling that role and actually finding what works for your players you know it's easy to as a coach focus on something that you wish you had when you were a player but I think as you learn to develop those skills you know what you find is okay I need a target specifically to what that athlete needs because it's not about me anymore it's about how do I support this player the best and you know it doesn't matter what level they're at and especially at the younger ages you know it's more about them just enjoying actually being in the sport and i think we are still seeing that kids are specializing too early and i think that's a big thing that needs to change going forward
0: yeah i think i think i think you're right there i think you know um we're trying to specialize and then and then we lose out you know young people lose out the the, the joys of trying different sports and different things and um yeah that's but the world is a pretty crazy place, you know, with, with this whole emphasis on specialising so you can make money and blah 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 blah. And and you figure, but actually, just enjoying enjoying the sport, enjoying what you're doing and why you're doing it. Christina, so, how long were you doing this for?
2: Um, so that was the whole winter season, so from March until August. But then there was the COVID lockdown again. So, sadly. We missed out on our last game of the season so for my girls that was their final but they still managed to win the grade awesome. and for um the boys yeah it was just their final game of the season and then I'd organized a whole pizza party which they couldn't end up going to which sucked um
0: yeah and um and you must have had lots of growth in that time as well as, as a person mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: was there, was there any one moment that stands out for you as a moment that you went, well, I've actually grown? Uh, Some hard questions here. yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a very hard question. I mean, um, I don't know. I was still going to counselling all through um, last year. And so that was like a massive help. And there was a lot of um, breakthroughs through that um but I don't know if there would be like one particular moment as such um I was living when I was coaching I was living a very relaxed lifestyle um because my coaching I would have trainings either after school or at lunchtime so I didn't have to get up
0: until so it wasn't because they're paying the big bucks hence the relaxed lifestyle hey (laughs) (laughs)
2: um and then yeah so and then games as well but like even though I only had an hour training with um, the teams and the two basketball teams were training together so it was only one hour training and then the games on Fridays and Saturdays um, it was a lot it was still a lot of work so um, every week I would revise the last week's game go over, okay, what things did they do well in that game? What things do they need to improve on in that game? What things didn't go well? Um, And then planning the practice to, you know, go over things that happened in the last week, being like, say for example, they had very bad communication. They just weren't talking to each other the whole game. We would play a lot of drills and games, um, which would focus a lot on communication. And that would be the focus of the week. So then planning those practices, Um, and then thinking about okay who how are we going to play the game kind of next week as well so it did end up being a good like 10-12 hours a week that I would be focusing just on my coaching um, which is a lot generally because most of the people who are coaching um, they're either at school or have a full-time job or are studying and the coaching is completely voluntary so it's their time Um, yeah
0: Awesome. That's so. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. Great perspective there on on what was being done. in Their time there. So the system finishes up. There's no pizza party. What happens now?
2: Um, what did happen? I don't really know much. I think I think what happened <laughs> was that um, I just did a lot of work on Quarantine Island. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to come back here to Shore Island. Um so that was kind of the plan, yeah.
0: Yep. So um were you were you invited back to Stewart Island? Did you have to go through another process or why did you go back to um, Shore Island?
2: I liked it here. Yeah. And I really needed to get out of Dunedin. Like really needed to. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um yeah, I think it was just yeah, just I knew that if I sent them an email they'd love to have me back here um and yeah I just needed to get out of Dunedin after being there for another lockdown that stuck at home with my parents and um just kind of needed a break from the city that I've kind of been in for this a long period of time and there's always especially with my mental health and everything like just being in a city where you always have a lot of bad memories um Being able to catch a break from that and go and be somewhere else is always good.
0: Yeah. So um, so you went to the middle of nowhere, basically, back in the jungle, essentially. Yeah. So um, you're in island at the moment. What is what are you doing in island at the moment? What what are you up to there?
2: Um. So I'm working at Backpackers. Um. So I do that in the mornings, and then in the afternoons, I kind of do whatever I want, which usually involves. Doing some coaching work. So, just revising stuff and going over things, learning new drills and skills, learning philosophies, kind of understanding who I want to be as a coach and, you know, what culture I want to bring to a team and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then I'm doing some work with the community nursery as well. Awesome.
0: And amongst all that, before that, you also had an experience to do some some coaching stuff in Croatia. Do you want to tell us about that?
2: Oh, yeah. So um, I decided to change what I was going to study. So I started the year being like, everything's going to be the same. I love conservation. I'm going to go and study. I hadn't quite decided if it was going to be zoology, marine science, science. Um, marine biology yet but i was like that's what i'm gonna go and study um end of story um and then it kind of changed because i did a lot of conservation work and i was like in reality this is a hobby and if i did this as a job it would just completely ruin the passion that i have for it um and then with the coaching and everything it was like you know what i actually really love teaching um So then I was like, oh, like I'll go to uni and I looked into teacher's college and I went to one of their open nights and everything. And I was like, I'll become a teacher. I'll become a biology teacher. And that kind of ties the two things in together. And then as the coaching season kind of went on, I was like, you know what? I actually really love coaching. Why don't I just dive right in, dive right into the deep end? You know, what can I lose? see how it goes and then if it all goes to shit then I'll move on and I'll go back to plan A which was do conservation work um or become a teacher so I decided to dive right in and I emailed um Greg from Basketball Otago and Lana from Netball uh Netball South and um talked to them a bit about it and I was like look like I'm really into the whole coaching thing what's kind of the process and the structure to kind of step up and become a high performance coach um so from then on kind of Greg got me invited to the coaching thing in Christchurch which was absolutely amazing um very intimidating (laughs) but it was so amazing yeah
0: Awesome. And and what is is the coaching thing in Christchurch? Tell us what that is all about.
2: So it was run by the mainland Eagles, which is um, a basketball kind of club um, in Christchurch. And it was a coaching workshop, but run alongside an athlete's camp. So there were 80 athletes as well as 30 workshop coaches, and then another 15 workshop um coaching staff so um and the coaching staff were invited from all over the south island um the coaches were invited from all over the south island and the athletes as well um, so these were top athletes who were high senior high school age um and they were repping their region um so the coat the course was well it was like workshop was over a weekend um it was crazy hours um it was full on
0: oh so technology a bit of a, a bit of a glitch there so we're back again um christina you were talking about the, the coaching camp so you had athletes from all around the region you had coaches all around the region you had staff all around the region and there you were working hard basically friday to monday you had to catch a plane get back to get back to, the yeah. I- to island and um what is that like for you? Because you've been, you know, Monday to Friday, you've just basically, sorry, Friday to Monday, you've just been engaged with so many people, and then you go to Stuart Island, which is silence. So what is that like? Okay.
2: Well, first off, I want to debunk the idea of Stuart Island being. Go on, a debunk,
0: debunk it. <laughs>
2: okay. Because go on, go on. when I told my friends I was coming here, they were like, oh my God, are you going to have Wi Fi? Where are you oh. going to get food? I'm like, okay, <laughs> there is Wi Fi here. We do have a four square and (laughs) I know right and there are quite a lot of people and because we live at the backpackers so I live on top of like the kitchen of the backpackers it's quite noisy and there's always people coming and going and the backpackers because it's summer it's like always full so there's always people around so it's like yeah it's not in the middle of nowhere there are people. Um, (laughs) but yeah no it was definitely um very much a big like shock I guess of things from being around people especially because the people on the workshop were very and no not intimidating I was a little bit starstruck I must admit um these coaches are some of the top coaches in New Zealand. Um, We had two assistants to the Tall Blacks and the Tall Ferns. We had um, an amazing skills coach um, and kind of being able to have like just candid conversations with them and they would like compliment me on like some of the questions that I'd ask and um, you know how they think I'm going to be a good coach and all this and it was just like I don't know what to say and I was quite starstruck and overwhelmed about all that just being around all of these just amazing coaches who um know what they're doing and they were all so supportive as well so yeah it was quite a lot to take in and i must admit it did take me a while when i got back to stuart island to just kind of you know okay deep breath and then kind of relax for about a week and then i was like okay let's start looking over my notes reflecting over the camp and um you know yeah doing some work in that sort of sense
0: and I guess and I guess they're probably just um reignited, well not reignited, I'm sure the passion was there, but it just further further ignited or further fled up their passion for coaching, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, it definitely did. Um I think the the theme of the camp as well was just such an amazing choice. So the theme of the camp was decision making um around athlete-centered. So it was kind of set up as the um kind of the 15 on-call coaches would be running um sessions with the athletes and us as the workshop coaches would be given um kind of things to be looking out for from the three coach developers and the things would be like okay um we had three themes like I think it was relationships Um, decision making and something else which I've forgotten but it was kind of like looking at the coaches interactions with the athletes so from basic things of oh have they learned all their names Um, you know creating those relationships so using physical touch like high fives fist pumps that sort of thing kind of really builds that up um, from really encouraging the athletes to be making their own decisions on court so most of the drills were you've got two choices a and b when on this court are you going to pass or are you going to shoot for example um and them having to consciously make that decision by reading the defense and kind of that sort of thing so yeah it was a lot of just observing coaches in action and then being able to talk to those coaches and discuss with them you know why did you do that why did you do this um and then a lot of workshops on like balance is better so like Tane said before like um the issues are that the kids specialize too early which is a massive issue um for quite a few reasons but like being able to tackle those issues and it's like bringing in a lot of questions of who do I want to be as a coach um yeah awesome.
0: that's really I'm glad that um but the passion is still still there because you know sometimes you know you do something, you you think it's gonna be awesome, and you're going actually wait a minute. This is actually not what I thought it was going to be like, or it's you know, your perception versus reality are totally, totally different. So I'm really glad that's happened for you. So you're finishing up pretty soon. And then what, what happens then for you? You finish up at Student Shoot Island, which is not the middle of nowhere. Um it's got Wi-Fi and it's got people. Yep. <laughs> Just don't forget that everybody. Um,
2: um so next step is. Uh, I think it's going to be very much get home hit the ground running type of thing Um, so I've got about a week before I move into my college hall of residence Um, yeah Um, and that's like just kind of socializing catching up with all my friends because I haven't seen them in like three months Um, as well as going to quarantine island and catching up with all of them seeing what's happened over the last three months Mm -hmm. um and doing I think they've already kind of booked me in on like doing volunteer work there because I do a lot of supervising and leadership um and then uni starts so yeah it's going to be a bit crazy um and then coaching as well so I'm hopefully coaching at least one well I, yeah i'm coaching hopefully coaching a school team um and i'm coaching assistant coaching the under 17s boys for rep and head wow. coaching the b team um for that so yeah it should be a bit full on oh
0: wow lots, lots on your plate there christina lots on your plate coming on um, and, I'm sh- and i'm sure yeah. you'll know when you when you go this is too much or you'll go hey i've got to prioritize and that's that's i'm sure you'll do that after yeah. you, all your learnings um Christina we you have gone through quite a quite a few things today. you know you've spoken about mental health, which I think is massive. You've spoken about how school was school was tough, but you found a way to get through that. You've spoken about um, how you had a pathway set that you thought you were going to be doing in ecology, as well as zoology, marine science, but actually realized that, hey, um, you don't want to, you don't want to kill your passion by making like a a, a a job. You know, you know. A lot of times, people say, "Follow your passion to your job," but sometimes you can actually, my passion is I enjoy it because I'm just enjoying it. There's no financial reward; yeah. it's just me. So that's pretty awesome. And then you found out what you really, really enjoy in terms of the career pathway, which is fantastic. So there's 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 some amazing, amazing things you you've spoken about today. And now you are uh, looking forward to what happens next. And I like what you said. You're just going to see what happens. You just take it take it day by day and see what happens. Um, you know, which which is pretty cool. Um, when we end our podcast, which we would like to end with a, you know, the title of our podcast is bosses of knowledge. And we think that everybody has some knowledge to pass on. And if you were going to pass on any bits of knowledge to, to our listeners, what would you, would you say?
2: Put me on the spot there. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that people should know that like life plans change always. Um, everyone's like oh you should have this all set out it's good to have dreams and goals but um you know if if something doesn't go to plan then maybe that's a good thing I guess if I hadn't um you know if my gap year hadn't happened I'd be doing a career that I didn't really love you know I loved it but not enough to be able to do it every day um so like yeah I guess just kind of take take it as it is and make the most of every opportunity you
0: have. Yeah, no, and like I said, because plans can change, you know, too many times people are excited that they have to know what they have to know what they need to do. When you finish up school, when you're doing something, you have to know what's next. It's okay. Yeah. And like I said, plans change and sometimes they change for, for the right reason. You know, you just don't know what you yeah. don't know, but I, I still think the, the key takeaways I have from you from today is what you said about, you have two things in a day you know one for your middle class and one too productive i think that's for me that's 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 a golden nugget nugget right there um i guess it's a good place for us to end our podcast um thanks for being on here christina and Thank and you, you know so
2: much for having me yeah Nora is
0: all the best for next year and we look forward to um seeing you um climb the, 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 that coaching rank and just remember when you become famous you were you were here first <laughs> yeah so Take care and um, enjoy the rest of your time in Rhode Island. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. So uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening to another podcast. Um, as always, this podcast will not happen without you. So please feel free to share, like, comment. Um, yeah, and tell us what you'd like to hear about. Um, wherever you are in the world, hopefully you've enjoyed this. And from Tyler myself, thank you very much and speak to you next time. Bye.